0: Wow. What an honor it is to be back home. Amen at this place. And uh, a few things have changed to say the least. It's been over, I think, closer to nine years since I have been privileged to be here for a regular service. And uh, so there's been a few changes around. I like them. They look beautiful. Um, I had a lot of tears, a lot of snot stains on these altars. So I'm glad that that's been updated here. And I want to say highest, highest respect for your pastor and wife, brother and sister Carson. And I know you know that, but I, I got to witness and know them before they were here as your pastor and Christians, all the way through behind the scenes, and a man and a woman of God. And uh, I felt a confirmation in the Holy Ghost. I knew God was doing something great, amen, when He brought them here. And I am so thankful that my dear friends are here and that they are carrying the torch forward for revival in the same spirit, same manner, same vision, amen, that has been here for decades. And I love and appreciate them so much. And I give them high, high honor. Amen. It's good to be with you. I'm going to go to the word of the Lord while you're standing. If you would grab your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter number two. And just let me say, church family, it's so good to be back home. Uh, I look around and I see all of these kids up here. I say kids affectionately. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to place who they belong to. And it's awesome to see how the church continues. So many faces. I could stand here all night thanking you for your prayer. Sunday school teachers, youth team leaders, uh, laborers around the church. Just your smile, your faith. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. Thank you to every school teacher, CCS, IBC that prayed me through that kept me. And uh, I'm here as a product of this church all the way through. I'll I'll share a little bit about that. But I am truly a product of Calvary Tabernacle, Indianapolis. And I thank you so much. It's good to have my wife here somewhere. I don't know where she's sitting in Lucas somewhere. There she is. All right. Glad to have her. My parents, thank you for lending them to us. They moved over to be with us and uh, honored to have them with us in O'Fallon to all the pastors. I give you great honor Today, and uh, privileged to pastor a wonderful church, Christ the King Apostolic Church in O'Fallon. God filled two with the Holy Ghost this morning, and I'm just expecting, Amen. Great, greater things every day. Now, if you've been around the church for a while, you know this passage of Scripture, but I want to take my text from verse 39. But for those that have never heard it, or maybe you need to hear it again. I'm taking you to verse 37 of chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost. And of course, the Spirit is poured out in the upper room there. And they gather around. They think that they are drunk. There's something happening. And Peter stands up and preaches an incredible message. They ask him, What must we do? That point of conviction. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is what Christ talked about in the first chapter of acts that Luke records, wait for the promise of the father. Verse 39. This is our text for the promise is unto you and to your children. And to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord, our God shall call. The promise is unto you. Or another translation would say it this way. The promise is for you. And I'm here to preach that tonight. The promise is for you. Amen. Can we lay our Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to sanctify our hearts. Tonight, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, we give you great honor tonight, Lord. We thank you. Pray that your anointing would have your way in this place. Let there be a liberty in the spirit. Let your word, God, be anointed to our ears to hear. I pray right now, you'd anoint my mind and my heart to speak what you have for us, God. Someone here tonight needs a life-altering touch. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said in Jesus name, amen. amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. <clears throat> hallelujah, 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 amen. God bless you. Turn around and give somebody a high five. Tell them let's have church. You can be seated tonight in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> amen. Let me give honor to my pastor, Brother Mooney. I appreciate and love him so, so much. Thank God for his ministry. Amen, that still continues. I do remember that trip. Pastor Carson and I went to St. Louis, and uh, it was a great time. Good memories. The Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life. The infilling of the baptism of the Spirit of God is the absolute greatest thing that could ever happen in your life. Brother Jim Sliva, my dear friend, I love you so much. I'll never forget October the 14th, 1988, when a few feet below here, I don't know, that room's still down there somewhere. At a Friday morning chapel service, CCS, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Brother Sleva was... They are with me, praying with me that year. Power of the Holy Ghost. I come back into this place and it's nostalgia for me, even though um, we moved on and God's blessed us, there's something about coming back to a landmark where you have memories. And I walk in here and it, it, it looks totally different and yet it's still the same. I, 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 it even feels the same to me. Is this all right if I just be myself here a little bit tonight? I, I didn't come to impress anybody. I didn't come to, uh, you know, I just, I just want to share a little bit. It felt the same walking in here, just the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord. Spent, spent a lot of time here, as many of you know, growing up, 35 years of my life, this was home, and testimonies, memorials in this room, places, I'm, I'm looking around the room right now and. Prayer meetings and and uh, youth prayer meetings and Sunday morning services, Sunday night services, midweek services, all night prayer meetings. I, my favorite place to sleep was back over there in that corner, way up in the back of the the balcony. There, I was my favorite place to sleep and uh, seeing people pray through to the Holy Ghost, getting getting touched by God. There was. There was a landmark moment somewhere. I know the platform's a little bit different, but a landmark moment for me that has been an anchor that I go back to probably about here. Another one about right there. The power of the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Spirit of God inside of us is the greatest thing in the world. It, it, it takes you from tradition, from religion, to a divine connection with God. You, 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 your faith becomes more than just knowledge, but, but it takes you to an experimental level where no one can convince you. <laughs> On the way over today, Luca asked in the car, he, 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 asked, he was just asking questions and uh, I, I love talking. He, he asked the first question. And then he goes and my third question is um and he said he said why when sometimes you tell tell people something happened they don't believe you and janelle was trying to explain well sometimes it's just something that's so unbelievable they have to be there for themselves and experience it for themselves that's that's what i would say about the holy ghost you can talk about the holy ghost you can tell somebody about the holy ghost but until you experience it for yourself. You, you can't even comprehend what it is. This, this was, and your pastor so eloquently preached on the Holy Ghost and talked about the Feast of Weeks this morning, and, and, and you've heard it, but this was the promise. This was everything that everyone in the Old Testament was looking forward to, the promise of the Spirit of God coming down. It's what the prophets prophesied about. It's what Isaiah got excited about. For with stammering lips and a new tongue will I speak to my people, and this is the rest wherein you will cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. It was where Jeremiah said, I will pour out my spirit in Jerusalem. And he said to God, I, I will write my law upon their heart and I will put my spirit in them. It's what Joel prophesied and Zechariah prophesied about. And, and, and they were all looking for the promise that was to come. That promise where God's spirit himself, the almighty God, the everlasting God, the God that had no beginning, the invisible God, amen, that was made visible, came down. Jesus Christ himself looked at them and said, I will go, but I will send a comforter and I will come to you and I will be in you. This is what they preached about. This is what they believed for in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. They talk about faith and having the promise. And they looked afar off. They were hoping for the coming of, of the spirit of God upon them. They, they had that in focus. They had that in mind, but yet, amen. They died not having received the promise. And I like what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, they died not having received the promise. They were, they were beheaded they were torn asunder. They were persecuted. All of these things, they wondered about the world, uh, the earth and the wilderness. They were destitute of whom the world was not worthy. And then I like how the writer of Hebrews sort of lets us know. He says, you think you've got it bad. You haven't got it bad. He said, because you haven't even resisted under bloodshed yet and dealt with sin. You've got the gift of the Holy Ghost Here were people back then that were living their life their blood was being shed they still had to deal with the old man's sin and yet they didn't receive the promise what the writer of hebrews was saying is you've got it better than anybody else in this world because you have one thing they did not have and that is the baptism of the spirit of god can i tell you church we've got it better than anyone else at any other time because we've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost oh hallelujah clap your hands unto the Lord hallelujah how God could take the eternal God could take his spirit and put it in carnal amen fallible flesh amen how fallible man could be redeemed to such a point that god could put his spirit inside of them how the same god that had to have his glory veiled because if they looked upon him they would die the same God that said you cannot even touch the ark and live how could that God take that glory and someday put it inside of little old human flesh how could he redeem them Amen, and put his glory inside of them I'll tell you the Bible says that even the angels uh, desire to look into it because there's something so mighty and so marvelous about the infilling of the Holy Ghost can I tell you there is nothing in this world that will compare to the baptism of the Holy Ghost when the Spirit of God comes down and touches your life. It's not just religion. It's not just tradition. But you have a supernatural encounter, personal encounter with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Think about this. In Psalm 16 and 11. And I've been preaching on the Holy Ghost for the last few weeks at home. Psalm 1611, David said this, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. I want to preach to some of you that haven't come up in the splash zone yet. you're still sitting back you, you, you see what's going on but you really don't know you're really not you're really not sure about all this and you, you still have some heart desires for some things out there in the world. there may be some things that are still binding your spirit or maybe there's some there's some, there's some things that have a hold on you. amen here right here in this verse it testifies that only one place, In the entire universe, will you experience fullness of joy? And that is in the presence of Almighty God. You might experience a measure of joy somewhere else. You might experience a little bit of joy in the things that the world have to offer, amen, but that joy will pick you up and it'll leave you with a hangover of letdown the next day, amen. It'll leave you wanting more. It'll leave you desiring more. But when you come into the presence of the King and He pours out His Spirit upon you, you have found fullness of joy. You don't have to look anywhere else. Because you've got it. You're not aching for anything. There's no leaving empty because there's something uh, about the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It is a lie from the pit of hell that tells you that the things in this world are worth playing around with. It is a lie from the pit of hell that tells you that this world has something that can compete with the presence of God. I'm here to tell you there is nothing in your presence. There are pleasures for evermore. It gets sweeter as the days go by hallelujah his pleasures don't diminish his pleasures don't wear out his pleasures don't fade his pleasures don't rust amen if you are here tonight and you're looking for a good time you've came to the right place if you are here tonight and you're looking for something that satisfies you came to the right place it's just not in the context that you thought you would find it but in the presence of the Lord you can't get any higher than the Holy Ghost you can't get any fuller than the Holy Ghost you can't get any happier than the Holy Ghost come on do I have any old-timers that know that song amen Hallelujah, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold because silver and gold won't go far enough. But if I've got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will change my life. Oh, praise God. I'm going to tell you, I am thankful that God did not leave individual salvation up to someone else. I'm thankful that I don't have to depend on a priest to tell me whether or not my sins are forgiven, that I don't have to depend on a father to tell me whether or not, amen, I'm ready to make it into heaven. But as Peter said, if you will repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, there's no one that can come and tell you God's not real. There's no one that can tell you that God doesn't save. There's no one that can tell you that God doesn't heal, that God doesn't deliver and that God doesn't set free. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Spirit of the Lord. See, when you you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, everywhere in the Bible it tells us that you will speak in a language that you do not know. You're going to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That means it's not going to be you doing it. (laughs) You don't have to manufacture a move of God. God's going to move for you. You don't have to put dust in the HVAC to know that the Holy Ghost is moving. You don't have to turn the AC down. You can go back to an old camp meeting that's as hot as it can be, amen. And the power of the Holy Ghost can get a hold of you. You began to speak in tongues. Anybody in here ever, ever been? Old timers used to call it being slain in the Spirit. Now, we see a lot of mockery. We see a lot of fakery, if you will, on the Internet. There's a lot of imposters out there. There's a lot of hocus pocus junk out there that's circling the world. But just because there's something fake out there doesn't mean that the real thing's not still here. And I'm here to preach one thing. The promise is for you. The promise is for you. Can I come down here? Is that, is that all right? Whew. The promise is for you. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Somebody. You're questioning. You're wondering. You're trying to figure it out. The promise is for you. Uh, I'm thankful for my heritage. This church means so much to me. The people here mean so much to me. And... Uh, Sister Ray, thank you for being Holy Ghost proud of me. She texted me today. This has an incredible, incredible heritage. I don't know if you understand. Dr. French put it so well in his book. If you haven't read his book, Early Interracial Oneness, Pentecostalism, probably the best book on on church history that you could ever read. And the interesting thing about it is it centers centers around Bishop G.T. Haywood and largely, in a large part, the city of Indianapolis and the revival that took place here in Indianapolis. And as I was reading his book, there were things that I even discovered that I realized how how deep our heritages go here. Bishop Haywood comes to Indianapolis, the son of two North Carolina slaves. At the the turn of the century, he, he, he goes to Azusa, receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, comes back, long story short, he has an incredible revival has an amazing revival that takes place right here in this city. Goes to Fall Creek and uh, buys an old uh, uh, t- a trash property there. And at that time in the city, uh, uh, no, no blacks had lived or uh, north of Fall Creek, but he goes and he buys it and builds a church there. It caused all kinds of ruckus in this city, all kinds of turmoil. You probably don't, won't realize it, but at the turn of the century, early 1900s, Indianapolis wasn't a massive city by any means, but there was a few strategic things that were unique about it. It had, of any major city, it had, and and Dr. French puts all this in his book, of any major city, it had the highest percentage of blacks in the city of Indianapolis. Now, not the highest number, but the highest percentage. And that was right next to the reality that it was also the highest concentration of the KKK. At that time in history, if there was any place in North America that would be more unlikely to experience an interracial revival, it was the city of Indianapolis, but you can't stop God. Hallelujah. Can't do it pastor. The revival was so great. The Revival was so great. The early 1920s. Bishop Haywood had around 1200 people in his church, about 40 to 50% of whom were white. This was breaking all kinds of barriers. Revival would take out the city would come and protest and And try to shut them down. Sometimes they would have revivals in certain parts of the city and uh, they would meet in the same building under under prohibition. They would not allow the whites and the blacks to have church together. And so what they would do was they'd say, well, we'll go in the same building and uh, we'll be in different rooms, but we're still going to be in the same building. We're still gonna have the same Holy ghost. And uh, they, they, they made fun of them. They had Pentecostal experiences. When you receive the Holy ghost, you speak in other tongues, as the spirit gives the utterance. And, and the, the newspaper touted them, uh, uh, us, I should say, as the Giggly Blukes. And that was, that was the name that they, they would make fun of them for. But the revival was so great. And, and I'll never forget, uh, Bishop Morris Golder actually did an interview with Pastor Mooney here some 20 plus years ago. And uh, he told the story of how coming up under Bishop Haywood, if you had a call to preach, he'd tell you, go out. And uh, you fill up a row of people in the church, and then I'll let you preach. And uh, so that's, that's what happened to the converts. They'd come. They'd go out and get their soapbox, preach on the preach corner, till they filled up a whole row. And then he'd send them out to preach. And Bishop Haywood's influence was so great. And the revival, get this, the revival was so great that even though his church was a size of 1,200, it couldn't contain them all. And so they were sending people out in all parts of the city. My family uniquely comes into the church. My, every point of my heritage from mom and dad's side comes in through a point that Bishop Haywood had sent people out. He sent out through extension. He sent out Lena Spillman. He sent out a uh, 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 brother Alvey, a, a friendship church. And there was all kinds of connections all around the city, Oak Hill Tabernacle and all kinds of things. They're sending them out, going out and starting these churches. So great. And the Holy Ghost moved so powerfully and so dynamic in that time, in that period. It was incredible, Un. I'm going to tell you, I believe what you said, pastor, you made a statement just a few moments ago and you said, it's not just for Calvary tabernacle, but it's for every other church. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I don't believe it's just for every other apostolic church. I believe God wants to pour out the spirit. It's going to pour out in such a way that it's going to start falling in places. (laughs) They're not even going to know what to do with it hallelujah hallelujah I'll tell you this that's why I'm friends with every pastor I can be in my town because I have a promise That someday they're gonna have people start receiving the Holy Ghost and I want to be the first one they call and say hey you got to tell me what's going on how do I handle this hallelujah that's what God wants to do oh we're, we're on the live stream. I can't tell you everything I want to say. I'm not going to say it, but I'm just going to tell you it's going to happen. God's already doing it. It's already doing it. Amen. As all of these, I'm going to tell you all these other churches that are opening up their doors to everything, people that are hungry for God are going to recognize that's not the message that's in the book and they're looking for it. I, I, it's happening. They're looking now's not the time to water it down now's not the time to try to be cool we got to get back to pentecost we got to stay at pentecost hallelujah hallelujah oh yes lord hallelujah so my grandfather was born in 1909 you can be seated he was born in 1909 he was 16 years old so this is 1925 And he was invited to church to go to an apostolic church down on the south side of Indianapolis, not too far from here. It was called the Friendship Apostolic Church. And he walked in there. I have a picture somewhere, an old picture of of, of the church back then. And he walked in there, and there were the giggly blooks. There were the people speaking in tongues. There were the people receiving the Holy Ghost. And he walked in there that night not knowing what in the world he had walked into, having no clue. But when he walked out of that church, this is 1925, when he walked out of that church, he was walking down the street and he prayed a prayer. He said, God, I don't know if those people are out of their mind or not. He said, But he knew what he felt. He felt something. And he said, God, if it's real, if it's real, I want it my grandfather, my mother's father, at 16 years of age, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost walking down Morris Street on the south side of Indianapolis because the Holy Ghost is real. I challenge any one of you that are thinking, what have I walked into tonight to pray the same prayer, to say, God, I don't know about all this, but if it's real, I want it and let God prove himself to you. Let God show you his power. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I hasten on. I, I, I feel to give you a word tonight, and this is the word. God spoke this to me about a month ago. Um, my wife and I just celebrated 20 years, and so for 20 years of marriage, I took her to Paris. She'd been begging me for 20 years to take her to Paris. I had taken her to Paris, Kentucky. I had taken her to Paris, (laughs) Illinois. So we went to Paris. And we were excited to go. And then we found out that everything was under protest and the trash was piling up and they were burning trash everywhere. And we had a wonderful time. <laughs> I wanted to see Notre Dame all my life. You've heard about it. But in 2019, of course, we, we've seen the, the pictures and the photos of the building burning, the roof caught fire. Construction project was actually in restoration preparations and, uh, for, for the Olympics, and in that restoration project, they're not really sure it caught fire. The entire roof caught fire, and the spire caught fire, and we, we watched as it collapsed completely. And now what to do with this? They had to repair this building that has stood for over 850 years, they started building Notre Dame in the year 1163 and it was completed in the year 1200. Imagine being in a 100 year building program. It was a feat that was way ahead of its time because of the sheer height of the cathedral. It was centuries ahead of its time. And of course when you see Notre Dame, the the, the, the roof lines go out, the arches come out, the support, the techniques, everything that they had. And so now they, they immediately go in and they had to build a structure inside of the building just so that it would not collapse. And then they started the restoration project, cleaning everything out, and now they're rebuilding, they're rebuilding the roof and the spire. And of course, when we went there, the whole thing is covered in scaffolding, which is actually pretty incredible to see in itself. And so I came home and I was watching a documentary, trying to figure out what happened. And, and it was interesting because the, the head engineer of the, man, uh, uh, of the team that's on the job right now to rebuild, rebuild the cathedral like it was, made a powerful statement. The roof has 1,000 oak beams. The spire alone, they said, will take over 1,200 trees to harvest. And then all of that will be topped by lead tiles. This is what he said, though. I had to pause it, and I had to write the quote down. He said, we will rebuild identically. Not because it's nice to rebuild in the 13th century style, but because we need the new roof to behave Just like the old one. Do it differently and the structure will behave differently. They acknowledged that the choice of rebuilding couldn't be based upon preference or desire. But that it had to behave the same in order to stand for centuries longer. I'm here to give you a word today. You can change everything. The carpet doesn't really matter. Come on, the oak doesn't really matter. The decals don't really matter. You can push everything around and all of that, but you better rebuild the same way if you want the church to behave the same way. It's still whosoever will. It's still you got to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you must be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. It's still God called us from a world of sin. It's still God has set the captives free. Hear me today. Amen. We could change everything else. But if we still want the sinner to be saved, <laughs> if you still want the drug addict to be set free, If this is still going to be a house of healing and a house of restoration, it's got to be a house of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. We don't need a new kind of church. We need churches that know how to behave like Pentecost. I'll never forget, it was right here, and I'm coming to a close. They can come to the music if they want. It was right here. I'd received the Holy Ghost at a young age. I had felt the power of God in my life, and I'd seen it witness, in my family, friends, so many as I look around here, so many of you. More, more than just a place that I attended church, you, you are my family. And I went through a season, probably two years, when I was a young teenager, that I had not spoken tongues, and I got in my head, (laughs) and I would come down and I'd pray, and he wouldn't pray through, and I'd begin to think, uh, maybe it was, maybe it was just me, maybe I didn't really receive the Holy Ghost. Anybody ever had that? Maybe I didn't really receive the Holy Ghost. Maybe it was just emotionalism. And there was a midweek. I can't remember the evangelist. I can't remember the reason why I wasn't downstairs in the youth group or why we weren't down there. I think we were all up here. And a man just preached about just telling God, thank you. So I came to the altar and I, I determined I'm going to do that. God's been so good to me that if he's never done anything else, he's done enough. And I just came to the altar and I just began to pray, "God, I thank you." And I just started thanking God. I was just pouring out my heart, pastor. And all of a sudden that night, in the middle, the middle of my prayer, I realized something that while I was just saying thank you, the Holy Ghost had taken over and I caught myself speaking in tongues. Startled, Stop. You know how it is? you stop? Started looking around. And I thought, let's try this again. God, I thank you. You've been a good God, Lord. You bless me. I don't deserve to be here. God, you love me. All of a sudden, it started again. I began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God. Gave the evidence. Gave the utterance. It had to be probably 2000 or, or 1993. I would, I would dare to say. It was, it was Christmas or or, or New Year's, the first week of the year in January 1994. And that week, all night men's prayer, and I spent every night back there sleeping behind that place. It's back on this side of the prayer meeting where God would just pour out His Spirit and He'd move all over me. I grew up in church. I had the Holy Ghost. Then I. I I I was in high school and I remember going to a tent meeting at a neighboring church in the area, in the community. It's an outside door tent meeting and at the end of church here, I'd already professed my call to preach. I already had a, you know, I I was already slated for where I was going and they had at the end of service, they had an old fashioned prayer line. Anybody remember those prayer lines where the ministers all come, line up on either side and you'd start here and as you go through, you you just keep slowly walking and if you don't walk, they'll sort of push you through laying their hands on you as you're going through. I'll never forget, Ben, the power of God hit me that night, somewhere in the prayer line. I don't know. I think I wrecked the prayer line at that moment. I don't really remember. I just know that when I got up, I had spoken in a language. It was like a new language. I don't know. Have you ever you get the Holy Ghost, but then you get the Holy Ghost. I don't even know how to describe it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, that's a tongue I never spoke before. I don't even... Power God moving in my heart. You've got to have those anchors. You've got to have those places. I was in Bible college. I was sitting over here. I think it was on the soundboard or something. I was, for some reason, I was there. Pastor was preaching, and in the middle of his sermon, he hit a point. Place came up. I don't know what came over me, but the Holy Ghost just came over me, and I came down here and I was shouting down here. Spirit of God hit me so strong. The Word of God. Spoke to me a word about revival in my heart. I'll never forget this, Pastor. I came right here and I, 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 I was under the, overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I was shaking, trembling, could not stop speaking in tongues. Right there. Crawled over and sat on the corner of that pew. Pastor goes on preaching. I'll never forget it. Pastor was walking across. He's preaching. He walked back across. And as he came over, all of a sudden, he got to this point. Something hit him, and he laid his hands on me right in the middle of his sermon. And I slid out of that pew down onto the floor. Power of the Holy Ghost is shaking again. He walked away, and I'll never forget, he spoke a word into my heart that night. He came back to me later on. It was just for me. You know what? You go through setbacks and disappointments. I'm going to tell you the devil will do everything he can to derail you. He'll do everything he can to discourage you, sow bitterness, put hatred. He'll bring every sin he can to attack you. You know what I go back to? I thank God for all the teaching. I thank God for the truth that keeps me straight. I thank God for the word that keeps me grounded. But sometimes you just don't need another sermon. Sometimes it's not just another song that's going to get it. I go back in my mind and say, no, no, no! wait a minute. What happened? And I go back to those moments in the Holy Ghost where God got a hold of my heart and I knew it was real, where the power of God has shaken me to my core. I'm here to tell you that that promise is for you. Some of you are saying, oh, you, you don't have to get that crazy. You don't have to get that serious. I'm here to tell you, don't hold back that's what God wants to do for you he wants you to get so lost in the Holy Ghost some of you been sitting around for a long time amen but God wants you to get so lost in the Holy Ghost there is nothing else that matters nothing else compares to what God has in the Holy Ghost for you tonight you need the Spirit of God in your life you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your heart Zerubbabel goes to rebuild the temple, and you can stand together with me. He's doing a task that is literally impossible. There's no way it's going to be accomplished. Zechariah sends him a word. He says, not by might, not by power. It's not going to be by your ability and your strength. It's not going to be power. It's not going to be by who you know. It's going to be by my spirit saith the Lord. I believe that God has a revival yet. You haven't seen the revival. I know, Calvary, you've had revival. I know you've seen some great things, but I'm here to declare to you, you haven't seen the revival that God wants to send. Someone here tonight, it's going to begin with you. Someone here tonight, it's got to start with you. Somebody here tonight's got to say, hey, I'm sick of going home and fighting hell every time. It's time I get victory in the Holy Ghost. Somebody here tonight says, I got I to quit going home and fall and pray to every lie and every question and every doubt. But tonight I got to get victory in the Holy Ghost. And I'm here to tell you that the promise is for you. And the Spirit of the Lord is here right now in Jesus' name. Come on, bow your heads all across this place. Hallelujah, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray right now against every doubt, against every spirit of pride, every manner, Lord. God, that would rise up in our heart that would resist what you have. But Lord, you said that the hungry shall be filled. I pray tonight, God, that our hunger for you, God, would outshine anything we have, any desire for the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Somebody here tonight, you need to receive the Holy Ghost for the first time amen. In a moment, I want you to come down to this altar. Amen. If you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the first time, there are people that will pray with you. Some of you, it may be like me. It may be a young teenager. It may be a father. It may be a mother. It may be somebody that's elder. It's been a long time since you prayed through to the Holy Ghost. Amen. God's here for you. I prayed a lady through to the Holy Ghost that had been out of church, backslidden for over 40, 50 years, and she was in ICU. And I walked in, and I began to pray for her. And right there, she began to speak in tongues as loud as she could. She didn't care who. She'd been out of church for so long that her children, her grown children, didn't even understand what was happening there. I'm here to tell you, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. God can do that for you right here tonight. Come on. Is there somebody that's hungry enough? Is there somebody that's willing enough to say, God, I I want you in my life more than anything else? Come on. Amen. Would you step out of where you're standing? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but you have to take a step of faith. I want you to step out of where you're standing and come down here to the front. Don't be afraid. I've done it many times. Understand. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Come on, somebody else. It doesn't matter. I I don't care if you've been attending this church all of your life. You're just here saying, God, I need the Holy Ghost. Come on, there's nothing more important right now than the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody else. Come on. God, here I am. Come on. I don't know if you have an altar team that'll come. Amen, and help us, we're gonna have a lot of people here. We're gonna need a lot of people with faith. Come on, if you are not prayed through, don't come and pray for people, but we need people that are filled with the Spirit. Come on, right now, God wants to do a work. There's no addiction God can't set you free from. Come on, there is no situation. Come on, thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. Come on, that's it, don't be afraid. God, I need you more than anything else. Hallelujah, right where you're at, in your own words, in your own way. Just open up your heart right now. Come on, God responds to your honesty. Just begin to pour out your spirit and repent. God, I give it to you. And begin to worship the Lord. Come on. Some of you, you just need to come and pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Come on, don't even think about it. Just get in the Holy Ghost. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, church. Come on, do I have some elders? Do I have some men and women of faith? Come on, do I have any intercessors? Come on, can you stretch with your hand right now if the Holy Ghost is leading you? Come on, can you come and put a barrier around somebody of praise? Come on, create an atmosphere of praise around some of these that are praying.